In the name of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Each year as Ash Wednesday approached, the young man could not understand why he was made to endure the sorrowful time of Lent. He reasoned that when we prepare for the birth of Christ, Advent seems to be filled with hope and anticipation. Why then did his church prepare for Easter, the glorious resurrection of Christ, with personal sacrifices in the remembrance of Jesus' suffering? Between the stations of the cross and observing the custom of fasting until dinner time, the boy felt as though a great burden was laid upon him on each Friday during Lent. Dances and parties were suspended. The church became an eerie, frightening venue with crosses draped in black and no flowers. The only explanation that the boy could come up with for the season of Lent was that because Jesus suffered, well, Christians must suffer also. And part of that suffering, he thought, surely included guilt, and not the healthy guilt that's an appropriate emotion after doing harm to someone else. The guilt he felt was that somehow he caused Jesus to suffer through his own actions and indiscretions. After all, he was taught that Jesus suffered for his sins. All in all, Lent for this young man was a dark, dark time. And try as he might to find the usefulness in it, he cannot come to terms with the idea that God would allow God's Son to be treated in such a shameful and cruel manner. Couldn't God just make people good? Couldn't God make people love God and love each other? Couldn't God make people not steal or be jealous of what each other had? Couldn't God, who created the entire world and every living thing in it, couldn't God not make people not lie or kill another human being? Or, if God didn't want to force people to be good, thought the young man, why didn't God just have Easter without Jesus having to suffer and die? If Jesus had done more miracles, well, maybe people would eventually come to embrace that Jesus is the Messiah and believe that he's the Son of God. And then they would live in the way that Jesus taught them, wouldn't they? These questions were raised in the young man's heart as the season of Lent grew near. And as you know, the season of Lent begins this coming Wednesday. And today we celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration, the event when Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus in the presence of three of his disciples. And this event was a blockbuster among all the miracles that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It was an event that confirmed for the readers of the book of Mark that Jesus was surely the divine Son of God. And first of all, the story is reminiscent of the story of God being revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. In Mark's Gospel, we read that after six days, Jesus went up on a mountain overshadowed by a cloud. 
where he heard the voice of God, and then he descended the mountain. And Exodus tells the story of Moses on a cloud-covered mountain, also for six days, where he heard the voice of God before descending. Also, Jesus' robe became dazzling white, which is the same way that heavenly beings were portrayed back in the book of Daniel. In the time when the Gospel of Mark was written, it was believed that neither Moses nor Elijah actually died, but rather it was believed that they were still alive, living with God. Deuteronomy tells us that Moses was gathered to his people and that no one knows the location of his burial site. And in the second book of Kings, as we heard, Elijah is said to have gone in a whirlwind up to heaven. For Jews, Elijah and Moses were considered to be heavenly beings. So for many of the Jews of that time, the story of Jesus being transfigured would certainly have been convincing confirmation that Jesus is the Messiah promised by God in Holy Scripture. And I say confirmation because God spoke earlier in Mark as Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan saying that Jesus is God's beloved Son with whom He is well pleased. The words that God uses in today's story differ slightly, but in a very crucial way. This time God says, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Listen to him. God's command to obey the son is a clear indication that Jesus is greater than either Moses or Elijah. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament associate Moses and Elijah with the coming of the Messiah. And when they disappear, leaving only Jesus, a sign is given that the old expectations of deliverance have now been set aside and the new age of the Messiah has begun. And while the reader of Mark's gospel would have recognized Moses and Elijah as heavenly beings, they still, neither of them, could possibly be thought of as the Messiah. And as usual, the disciples are witness to something that they cannot immediately understand. Of course they were terrified when they saw Jesus speaking with Elijah and Moses. And then they heard God's voice telling them that Jesus was the Son of God and that they must obey Him. And then Elijah and Moses disappeared. Poof, just like that. So walking down the mountain, Jesus tells the disciples not to tell anyone about what they had seen until he rises from the dead. And you probably remember in the previous chapter of this gospel, Peter is chastised by Jesus for rebuking him after Jesus said that he must undergo suffering and death and rise again after three days. So here, poor Peter is again listening to Jesus predict his own death and resurrection after having just seen Moses and Elijah and hearing God speak. Surely Peter must have been frustrated. He must have been confused and frightened as he struggled with the idea that the very Messiah 
that God has sent to save humankind would first have to suffer humiliation and torture and death in order for God's will to be accomplished. After all, it seemed contrary to the Jewish belief that misery would come to an end with the arrival of the Messiah. Peter must have wondered why so much suffering had to take place before God's glory is revealed to the world. The same question that laid upon the heart the young man that I spoke about earlier. And that young man wondered for a long, long time about the questions that vexed him. He thought that Lent was a season dedicated to focusing on his own failures and enduring the pain that comes with regret. But as he prayed for forgiveness one day, something happened. He found himself praying for God to help him to not repeat his mistakes of the past. He prayed that he could be like the people Jesus described, people who really, really love God, people who would help others, even when helping others may be contrary to their own desires. So maybe Lent, he pondered, maybe Lent is not only about focusing on what we should not have done. Maybe Lent is also about looking toward who it is we wish to become. In his search for answers, the young man began to see the self-reflection called for during Lent as a starting point to begin all over again. He began to see penitence as a necessary component in sharing, sharing in the redemption that Christ offers through his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. Perhaps the suffering that Jesus endured that's recalled during the season of Lent had to take place in order for redemption to take place. A redemption that comes from realizing who we are, who we are now, in order to begin striving to be who we wish to become. No longer did the young man see Lent as a time of darkness and sorrow. Lent for him became a chance for renewal, a chance to recognize his shortcomings as a follower of Christ, a chance for him to plead God's forgiveness and to recommit himself to the promises made when he entered Christ's church and received God's own Holy Spirit through the sacrament of baptism. For him and for each one of us, Lent truly is a time for hope, a time for each of us to hope that we can live a new life by dying to sin, a new life filled, filled with an awareness of God's divine gift of redemption, a new life that actually brings honor to the sufferings that Jesus endured so that we, like Jesus himself, may all share in God's heavenly kingdom where there is no suffering, but only joy everlasting. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.